You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. And I'll go to John chapter number three. For many of you, this may be a familiar passage. If it's not, then let me introduce it to you tonight. If it is a familiar passage, then that's all right. This is one that you need to hear and hear again. And so we'll begin at verse number one. It says here, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles. Everybody say miracles. Miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. I believe that God can still do miracles. He's still God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Then he goes on. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must, ye must be born again. And then he leaves us with this, the wind bloweth where it listed, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. And then he says, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. He tells us at the end that the wind blows where it wants. You hear the sound thereof. You, you don't see it, but you hear the sound thereof. He said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Turn to somebody and tell them, you cannot control this. You cannot control this. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for this place. I thank you for the opportunity to gather together. And I pray tonight that your word would have its way in our heart, that you administered our life and our soul tonight. In Jesus' name, let somebody be redeemed in the name of the Lord. And church said, Amen. 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 God bless you in the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. We have this beautiful passage of Scripture for a reference. It is more than just another reference, but it is perhaps a keystone in Scripture, if you will. It is a foundational passage by which we go back to. It is pivotal, if you will. It is the moment of transition from the carnal to the spiritual that Christ is talking about. Because that is what He died for, so that all men could be saved, that none perish, that none be lost, but that all come to repentance, that everyone, amen, could know life in Him, because this is the issue. It holds great, amen, gravity 
and concentration. This is a focal point of the church. It has been for millennia, and it shall continue to be. It is especially a keystone passage of a group of people that we identify with called Pentecostals because we identify with that spiritual birth, the spiritual birth, not a birth that is something that man can do, but something that God can do, something that is supernatural, something that supersedes the natural realm, your natural ability, my natural ability, it supersedes that. And so we call it supernatural. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was of a group of Jews that had certain, uh, not only political rule and say and power, but they also had certain ideas and ideologies, uh, ideologies, if you will, or theologies. They, in many parts, were some of the purest, let's say, of the Jews. They believed all of the Old Testament. They did not dispense with any of it or discard any of it. They were unlike the counterparts called the Sanhedrin, which while they believed in God, they did not necessarily believe in the afterlife or the resurrection, and they denied most of the prophets, the writing of the prophets. They rejected a lot of the miracles, and they were more the, the elite aristocracy of the Jewish people, the culture, the high class, and they were less concerned with the religious or the actual interaction with God, and they were more concerned with their traditions. It was more just a way of life for them. But the Pharisees believed the Word of God. They believed in the things of God. And so it was a culture that set, uh, uh, set a lot of people up for hungry souls, for desirous things. They were not perfect, and in many places Christ would rebuke them, and He would look at them and say that you are not of your Father above, but you are of the Father from below. You're not of God. You may be of the seed of Abraham, but you're not of God. Or you'd love me, he said, but you are of the devil. You are of your Father. And that's why you follow after lies. And they rejected Christ. But the Pharisees' main premise provided individuals like Nicodemus space and place to operate. And so here was Nicodemus, who really at the heart of it, was desirous for God. He, he, he was not, or at some point, he got past the politics of everything. And he really desired God. I think this is a powerful passage of Scripture because I encounter, you encounter, you meet people that are disillusioned, that are, they are disheartened, if you will, with so much corruption that they see oftentimes in the church or in the so-called church, or in the Christian uh, world, or the Christian realm. They are tired. They are worn out. And at the end of it, they really just want a relationship with God. They just want an encounter with God. They just want to be able, amen, to love the Lord, live God, live for God, and live their life. Sometimes, sometimes so disheartened, so disillusioned that they... They, they get frustrated, they get bent out of shape, they get offended, they get, they get uh, uh, abused in certain ways, and they just dispense with going to church or searching for God or ever trying to be a part 
of something. It, it's a tactic of the enemy to try to, 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 to dis, disengage, if you will, or divide the church of the living God. To divide people that love the Lord. There's a principle that came to my mind tonight while we were praying. And I, and I like what you said, Brother Cobb, because you, you said we're going to take authority in the name of Jesus. I like that. And, and Brother Davis, while you were leading us in prayer, you were praying the things that God laid on your heart. You were doing that. You were praying dominion over people's lives. And there was a principle about that, that I was, as I was praying before we came together, the Bible gives us a verse that says one could put a thousand to flight and two could put 10,000 to flight. The point of that verse is don't find just someone else. But it was showing the exponential power of unity within the body of Christ. If one can put a thousand and two can put ten thousand, what does that say about three? What does that say about four? What does that say about five? What would that say about 50? What would that say about a hundred? What would that say about a thousand people that got in the mind of Christ together? And so that principle is true. And it is the enemy that comes to divide, to attack, amen, to diminish, to disengage. That is the work of the enemy. Can I tell you, it's God's will that we be a church, one body, one people. Amen. When we get to heaven, every tongue, every kindred, every tribe, every age, every nation is going to be brought together, unified by the blood of the Lamb. We thank God for that, but the enemy fights. And so because of that, there are many people that are discouraged, many people. This was Nicodemus. This was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews, and yet he was discouraged. He was disheartened. He was frustrated with what he had not seen, what he desired. And he sees Jesus Christ doing miracles. He said, no man can do except he was from God. We could spend time, but we don't have time tonight to go through the miraculous things that Christ did. Christ healed sicknesses of all manner of diseases right before their eyes. They witnessed leprosy, gone, flee in a moment. They saw the lame walk. They saw blind eyes open, of which it had been said, John records, that no physician in the history of man had been able to take someone medically that was blind and give them back sight. Can I tell you, even today, once you lost your sight, you've lost your sight. Amen. But Jesus came and he did that. Amen. And Nicodemus said, there's no way you could do this except you were from God, except you were from above. He didn't understand everything, but he understood a little bit. He was hungry for something. He saw something. He said, hey, this is more than just a political rabbi. This is more that this is somebody that's actually doing the things of God. And his hunger and his desire for it brought him to the Lord. So maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you've been a part of this church for decades. But you still get disheartened, disillusioned, frustrated with things that you see. But you have a desire. And you say, man, I just want to love God. I just want to love God. Can I tell you, you are at the right place. And you are in good company. Because I just want to love God. You just want to love God. I, I just want to know the Lord. I just want to do what's right by the Lord. This was Nicodemus. He comes to the Lord, and he says, No man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. This is good. Except God be with him. 
So Nicodemus is saying, God's with you. He didn't understand yet. He was more than with him. (laughs) He was God in him. He was God through him. He was the fullness of God bodily in him, not just with him. Amen. He was the fulfillment of the prophecy. Emmanuel, he was God with us. And so Jesus, I, I like it because Jesus cuts straight to the, to the, to the point. Sometimes I, I, have a, I have a great admiration or respect for people who are blunt. Now, now, is that okay? Sometimes people think, man, you know, they're just blunt. They're just, and, and that's perceived as rude or whatever. But sometimes it's refreshing. Is that all right? Can we just be honest? Tonight? Wow, just get right to the point. Just no pleasantries, no have to work, no, don't talk about the weather. Just, just get right to the point. Cut right to the tip. I don't know, maybe... John skipped over that part of the conversation with, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, where are you from? Oh, it's nice to see you here in this great weather we're having. And, but I don't know. But I, I think, I just tend to think that it played out the way it was written. And Nicodemus comes and says, you must be a man from God. And he cuts straight to the chase. He gets right to the point. And the Lord looks at him, knowing his desire for God. And the things of God. Anybody here desire the Lord? Desire the Lord. Amen. He realized, he saw that Nicodemus didn't care. He didn't care about anything. Nicodemus comes to him by night. He was a little worried. He didn't know what to think. He wanted to keep himself a safe distance. He wanted to have a little safety net there. But Lord, I'm coming to you. Talk to me. And the Lord talks right to him. And he doesn't, he doesn't say, now, Nicodemus, let's, let's talk about some things you've done. He comes right down, gets right to the point, and says, except... A man be born again. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Well, there you have it. There it is right there. He just lays it all out. Nicodemus, you've got a desire. You've got a hunger. You've come to me because you're searching for more of God. You're trying to get past all the politics, all the corruption, all the foolish, vain things, all the emptiness, all of just the facade that you see in people's lives. You're tired of going to the temple and seeing it's more about the money changers and what they can make than it is about the worship. You're tired of getting to the prayer room and there's a small crowd and you get outside, but the gossip columns are full and the crowds you're looking for something real and Jesus said here it is except a man be born again he cannot enter into the kingdom of God that was not just something that he was putting him off he was saying hey listen that's the only thing that's the only thing you want to know what to do you're worrying about what's going on forget about everything else you focus on one thing and that is you must be born again you got to be born again. You know why you're broke? You're broke and you need to be born again. You're broke because you're in sin. That's the reason why you've got all the mess. That's the reason why you've got the guilt. That's the reason why you've got the trouble. You're trying to live for God on your own and it's not working. You're trying to do it all by yourself and you're failing and you're messing up. And you're trying to be good on your own and it does not work. You need the power of God inside of your life you must be born again you got to be recreated you need a fresh start you need a new chance at life you need you need to breathe your first breath again you need to have that moment where everything is new 
Nicodemus doesn't quite understand. He said, well, Lord, I'm old. How can I be born again? How, how, what? Am I supposed to enter into my mother's womb? And the Lord says, no, that which is flesh is flesh. But that which is spirit is spirit. And then he says, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. He said, except you be born, and he expounds it for us, except you be born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But he makes this statement. He said, that which is flesh is flesh, and that which is spirit is spirit. And this is where I really want to focus on, that verse right there. I don't know if you can throw that verse back up there. I think it's verse, what verse is that here? That which is flesh is flesh. Verse number six. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In your flesh, you did not choose how you were born, when you were born, and to whom you were born. Now, if you're sick, I believe God can do great miracles. But I've never seen God heal somebody of being short or tall or having a certain color eyes. I've never seen God heal somebody of that. That's just that, that is what it is. It is what it is. As I told you the other day, I asked my wife if that shirt I had on made me look too fat, and she just said, it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. There you go. I told you I had a respect for people that were just blunt, you know, just. I had an admiration for that. That which is flesh is like, you can't change that. I'm not talking about that, he said. I'm not talking about all that stuff. I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about the spirit. Because not only did you inherit some of those fleshly things that'll pass away, but you inherited some of those spiritual, those bad spiritual things too. You inherited the propensity to sin. You inherited the failures. You inherited the humanity of life. You inherited, amen, lust and greed and pride. And you inherited all of that stuff. I'm not talking about that. What I, I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm talking about the spiritual things of your life. Who you are. The essence of who you are. All of that. And he says, when I say you must be born again, he said, I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your life. Hallelujah. Can I tell you? Being born again is the greatest thing that will ever happen in your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But if you're baptized, if, if I, can I just be blunt tonight? If you're baptized ugly, you might still be ugly when you come up out of the baptismal water. If you're bap, because that which is flesh is flesh. But... If you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ with an ugly spirit and a broken heart, come on, and a life that is wrapped in pain and a life that is bound by sin and afflictions. Hallelujah. He said, that which is flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. And he said, that's what I'm saying. You must be born again. God wants to renew. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. Hallelujah. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean tonight. I'm just trying to illustrate. God's not going to change your hair color when you get baptized. But it's what's happening on the inside. We focus too much on the flesh. And God's focus is on the spirit. Except a man be born of water and of spirit. Is that what it says? He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. These are the words of the Lord. These are not my words. So I am, I am absolved of any opinion here. This is the word of the Lord here tonight that I preach. I preach it with boldness. I preach it with love. I preach it without apology because he says accept. That's the only way. It's the only way it can happen. He's letting Nicodemus know. Nicodemus, don't worry about it. It's not by politics. It's not by who you know. It's not by who your family is. It's not by how wealthy you are. It's not by all of those things. The only thing that matters is whether or not you are born again. And Christ speaks in this chapter, in this passage. John writes this gospel at, at around somewhere around 90 AD. At that time, this is, this is one of the last books of the New Testament. John's authorship of his books in the New Testament are the last books to be authored, the last books to be written to the church. And so everything else has been written. So John, when he gets down to write his gospel, he takes certain care to address things that have not been addressed or to mention things that have not been recorded in any other gospel. And that's why we see this story only in the gospel of John chapter number three. Except a man be born of water and of spirit. Now you say, what is it to be born of water and of spirit? To be born of water. And I did a little series on baptism. If you'd like to go back, you can listen to a couple of those sermons on the podcast. But the Jews understood the ceremonial cleansing. They understood what it was to come to the temple and they would, they would be baptized or they would be washed, cleansed in the mikvah. It was, a, it was a way that they would acknowledge the Word of God, the Old Testament law, as having authority in their life. It was a way that they were acknowledging not only that God's Word was true, but that God was true and that God had power to change them. And so they would come and they would take part of the ceremonial cleansing. It was super common. It was so common that there, there could be hundreds of people in line for a, a ritual cleansing when you would come to the temple at the time of Christ. And yet, they, there, there came another man by the name of John the Baptist, and he started preaching that you must repent of your sins. And he baptized unto repentance. What John did was revolutionary because John said, look, the, the ceremonial cleansing that you're going through, it, it may just be cleansing the outside, but what God really wants to have happen is God wants you to change on the inside. Can I tell you, that has not changed. God is not as concerned with the outside as he is with the inside. And I may not know your thoughts, and I may not know the contemplations of your soul and your heart, but God knows, and God says, I want to change your life. 
I want to change your soul. And so John came preaching repentance. And then after him, Jesus would teach them that they were to baptize in his name in every nation. And they would go and the apostles would baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. And unlike the ceremonial cleansing that required baptism, sometimes on a monthly basis for certain individuals, this would be a spiritual thing that would take place on the inside. It would be manifest in the testimony on the outside, but it only needed to be done once. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And they did not re-baptize people every time they came to church. But you were baptized once in the New Testament church in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, this was that birth, born again of the water. Amen. Tonight we are going to baptize someone in the name of Jesus Christ. Baptism is an extension of repentance, but it is more than just repentance. It is acknowledging that God is true, that His Word is true. It is giving authority to the Word of God in our life from that point forward. It is declaring that I want to be a child of God. And when you do that, you inherit the benefit of being a child of God. And that means there's no sin. He washes everything away. And if we are buried with Him in baptism, Paul said, we should arise to walk in the newness of life, which is the second baptism, and that is the baptism of the Spirit. He said, I'm coming, he said, to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. John preached, I'm baptizing under repentance, but there's one that is mightier than I who comes after me. And when he comes, he said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The baptism, John said, would come would be a baptism of the Spirit of God upon your life. That is what Jesus is referring to, except a man be born of water and of spirit. You must be born of water and of spirit. You must go through the waterway. Amen. Being buried in the name of Jesus Christ. Giving God authority in your life. A public confession of your faith. It was not just an accident. And I, I, I could sum it all up quickly. Some say that, well, well, baptism is just a choice. Whenever you want to make the choice, can I tell you the apostles understood the urgency of it. In fact, in one place in chapter, I think it was chapter number 8, there Philip uh, uh, was, was talking to a man preaching. And when the man heard the Bible study on baptism, if you will, he said, there's water. What hinders me right now? Let's do it right now. Let's not even wait. Let's get baptized right now. Let's not put it off. Let's not schedule it for next month or next year. Let's do it right now as soon as your heart is desirous. When they baptize, they baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Acts 4.12 gives us that answer. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's that name of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28.19 records the Lord's command. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are thankful tonight to know that Jesus Christ is the Father. He is the Father of creation. He said, before Abraham was, I am. That was him declaiming, I am the Father. Isaiah said, he is going to be 
called the everlasting Father. Amen. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. He was, he was the brainchild, the birth child, the offspring of God. He didn't come from anybody else. His, he, his existence was the very thought of God revealed bodily in human form, transcendent, a God that's unknowable and invisible, made Himself knowable and visible, revealed to us. Jesus Christ is the Son, and He is the Holy Spirit, which is the relative presence of God, the Almighty God that fills all in all. The Spirit that is without limit comes down and gives us relative presence, comes down and dwells with us and abides with us. That is Jesus, and He identified in John chapter 14, he said, I am the comforter. I will come to you. He said, I'm sending the comforter. What he was letting them know. He, didn't, he said, it sounds sometimes people read it and say, well, he's talking about something else. And then in this verse, he's talking about himself. What he was letting them know is I'm going to come to you, but I'm not going to come to you as you see me right now in bodily form. I'm going to come to you in a different form. He said, it's the comforter because it's going to be something that gets inside of you and it comforts you and it changes you. It's not just something that you look up but it's something that gets into the fiber of your being. Amen. When you're born of the Spirit and I will be with you always. Nothing, nothing, Paul said, can separate me from the love of God that is inside of my heart when His Spirit comes. So we're baptized of the water and we're baptized of the Spirit. And that which is flesh is flesh, but that which is Spirit is Spirit. And then he said, I love this. I love verse 7. Marvel not. That I say unto you, don't be surprised, don't be shocked, Nicodemus, that I'm telling you, you need to be born again. Because that is the natural human response. Well, 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 maybe God, I'm not that bad. Come on. Nobody's going to help me preach on Sunday night. He come to him, God, I'm hungry. Jesus, I'm so hungry for God. So hungry for God. Well, okay. He cuts right to the chase. You got to be born again. Born again of the water and the spirit. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm hungry. I, 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 he said, no, you got, to be, you got to be born again. And he says, marvel not. Don't be surprised that I'm telling you you must be born again. If we all really take a self-evaluation, we know how much we need God. I don't need a preacher to tell me that I need God. Come on. I don't need somebody to tell me that I need to repent of some things. I, I don't need somebody to tell me that I can't make it on my own. What I need is I, I just need to go to the Lord and say, God, I need you. I need you. I, I need to trade in all this old stuff. I need to trade in all my old efforts, and I, I, I can't do it on my own. Nicodemus, you're trying in the natural to live for God and be religious, but what you need is something that is supernatural in your life. You need a rebirth. You need to be reborn again in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, there's nothing greater that you can do in your life than to give your life to the Lord. And can I tell you, the Word of God is powerful and it works. I always tell people, don't take me at my word for it. Don't just take my testimony. I can share my testimony. I can tell you my testimony. Other people can tell you their testimony. But you've got to try God for yourself. You have to have your own Nicodemus moment. Where you come to God and say, God, I'll do whatever you ask of me to do. There was a man by the name of Naaman in the Old Testament. And I'm closing, if they'll come to the music. That 
that came to the prophet, he was desperate. He was a Syrian ruler. He was desperate for healing. He, he could find no relief. And a servant in his house was a Jew. And she said, well, there's a prophet back in my homeland that knows God's connected with God. And so he goes back and he asks the prophet, what, what can I do? He brought great gifts. The prophet, though, wouldn't even come out and greet him. He was put off. He was put off because the prophet wouldn't come out. He traveled all this way, brought all this great gifts, and, 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 and the prophet rejected his gifts. He said, I don't need your money. I don't want your money. The prophet didn't go see him, but the prophet did see him afar off, and he sent his servant, and he said, hey, just go tell him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times, and God will take care of it. And Naaman got uh, mad and said, you know, I have, I have beautiful, clear, that's what he told me to do. I came all this way, and that's what he told me I have to do. So I got these beautiful cisterns and pools back home, and, and he's telling me to go, to go get down in some nasty old river. And so he said, forget that. I'm going home. So he goes back home, and he's just as leprous as he was when he came. And on his way back home, the little maid that had first told him about it said, you know, if he would have asked you to do something great, really big, let's say, that everybody would have known, if everybody would have seen, you would have done it because you were desperate. If he would have asked you, nope, this, if he would have told you this isn't enough money, go back, you got to go conquer and you got to get more, you would have done it out of your desperation. And all that he asked you is to do something, you don't want to do it, but it's not even going to hurt you. It's not even going to cost you anything. You just have to obey. And he got to think about that and said, you know what? That's right. Maybe, maybe she's got something here. And he goes by way of the Jordan River, coming down, descending from Jerusalem, going east. You come down and you pass what would have been the remnants of Jericho on the right. What you would see on, on the left would be Jericho on the right would have been the Dead Sea. And there was the Jordan River. Cross that. He had to go across it anyway to get back to Syria unless he wanted to go the long way. So he got in there and he dipped seven times. Two times, three times, four times, five times, six times, same thing. Still has leprosy. The Bible says when he dipped the seventh time down and he came up, that his skin was as a newborn baby's. That's literally just brand new again. God is not asking us to go win the lottery. He's not asking us to go conquer some nation. God's not asking us to bring millions of dollars. He just says, be born again of the water and of the Spirit. That's all He says. And He says, except you do that, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. When the wind blows, you hear it. You don't see it. But you hear it. You hear it in the sense that you hear the effects of the wind. You don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. And he said, you cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. And then he identifies that same. This is the Lord's illustration, the Lord's analogy, not mine. This is the Lord's. And he says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. When you are born of the Spirit... What he says is you will not see the Spirit. 
You're not going to see a dove, or you're not going to see some kind of stuff come down and descend on. You're not going to see some visible thing. He said, but you will hear the sound thereof. If we go to Acts chapter number 2, just a few pages over in your Bible, we would see on the day of Pentecost, when they were assembled together after being obedient to the command of Jesus Christ, telling them to go into Jerusalem and to wait until they be endued with power from on high. He said, go wait for the promise of the Father, which was what Ezekiel, Isaiah, Joel, Zechariah, Jeremiah had alluded to. They had all prophesied about that the Spirit of the Lord was the promise of the Father. And on the day of Pentecost, chapter 2, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. There was not a wind, but there was a sound. They said, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. I don't know, but I could imagine that at that moment, John recalled the words that Christ had spoken to Nicodemus when he's sitting in a room, not seeing wind, but hearing the sound of wind. And then the Bible says, there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus said, the wind blows where it willeth. What he said, you can't control the wind. You can't stop the wind. You can't start the wind. The wind blows where it willeth. You have no say over it. You have no control over it. And he says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. When you yield your life to the Lord, and you yield your heart to the Lord. The Spirit of God is not something that you control. You yield control to the Spirit of the Lord in your life. And when you yield control to the Spirit of the Lord, man, I don't do the things I used to do. Because I'm not my own anymore. I'm not living in the flesh. I'm living in the Spirit. And He has enabled me and He has empowered me to be the person that He wants me to be. The child of God that He wants me to be. Also, when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says everywhere in Scripture that we see the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, they spoke in a language that they did not know, but it was not them speaking. It said they were praising and magnifying God. As they're praying and magnifying God, because you can't control this, they began to speak in a language that they do not know. There are many counterfeits a well and alive in the world today. But for every counterfeit, not an, another counterfeit, all the counterfeits you could add up does not deny the truth of the real thing. And that is this, that God wants to do a supernatural work in your life. Let me ask you this. Is it harder for the Lord? Is it harder to believe for the Lord to cause you to speak in a language you do not know? Or is it harder to believe that God can deliver the drug addict? or the brokenhearted, or the depressed, or the lonely, or the fearful. It's a miracle either way you slice it. It's a miracle either way you look at it. And that's why Jesus said, don't be surprised that I'm telling you, you must be born again. What he's saying is, Nicodemus, you need a miracle in your life. You need a miracle that the world can't provide. And I'm here just to preach to you tonight, you need a miracle you cannot control. You need a miracle in your spirit. You need a miracle in your mind. You need a miracle in your heart. 
You need a miracle in your, in your emotions. You need a miracle in your life. Amen. You can do a lot of good in the flesh, but sooner or later that road's going to run out. But when you are born again in the Spirit, you tap into a power that is eternal without beginning and without ending. It never ceases to work for you. It never ceases, amen, to be alive inside of you. That's why when I come into the house of the Lord, I make sure I lift my hands in worship and praise. I make sure I welcome Him again every time into my heart. I make sure I visit an altar and say, God, I'm giving you authority and license in my life. You know why? Because every day I live, I want the miracle power of Jesus Christ to continue inside of my life. It's not good enough for me just to have visited an altar of repentance once or for me to have been baptized once. But God, every day that I live, I want your spirit to work inside of my life. Stand together with me today. The Holy Ghost is in the house tonight. The healers in the house tonight. The deliverers in the house tonight. The waymakers in the house tonight. Christ comes. He comes for those that are... <laughs> disheartened with all the junk they see in Christianity. And he says, look, I want to give you true life. I want to give you pure religion, true religion. Can you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you.